Good morning, good morning, and a friendly Shushan Purim. Welcome back to Living with the Moon. I want to thank our generous sponsors for the year, Dr. Zavi and Bella Morgan, in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbit, and in memory of Brother Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer. Thank them uh, so much this morning. Shir is also sponsored. Thank you to the Strulowitz family on the earth side of Yisrael Ben Baruch. Thank you uh, for your generosity. Neshama Shadav and Aliyah. Anonymously with Shavach V'odot HaKadosh Baruch by Avi Asman in memory of Yosef Leib Ben Chavana, whose Yerzai was on the 7th of Adar. So thank you to all of our generous sponsors. Greatly appreciate it. And I want to thank uh, those who've already joined the global community and given to the global campaign. If you've not yet given, it's not too late. We are only 55% of the way there. If you're a BRS member, you're more than doing your part. If you're not a BRS member, but you enjoy the content, you're enriched, you listen, you read, you watch, you grow, please do your part. Click on brsonline.org slash global and please join us, enable us to continue to promote and share Torah. Okay, wishing everyone a Freilich and Shushan Purim. The partying and the Purim continue. It's not over yet. Purim is a day of Bittel. We submit, we surrender, we nullify ourselves to Hashem. Adeloyada. Stop trying to hold on to think you can understand, you can control, you can comprehend the entire world. We have to surrender to Him. We have to recognize it's His world and we take our initiative, we do our part, we take pride in our success. But in the end of the day, ultimately, Adeloyada, ultimately we surrender to Him. And that's the Megillah is filled with. When, when uh, Mordechai says to Esther, Who knows? It's all about letting go of the das. So some demonstrated it yesterday. But Paul, in practice, and are paying the price this morning. But whether you uh, literally or figuratively participated in surrendering das, that we don't understand. Sometimes you have to let go. It's painful, it's difficult, it's hard to reconcile or to understand Hashem's world. You know, it's easy when you miss the flight or you're stuck at the red light and you went to the Amunashir, so you let go. Okay, that's easy. But when there are irreversible, devastatingly catastrophic, painful things that happen in a person's life, to surrender Das in those moments is very, very hard. Very hard. It's what Purim, Shushan Purim, Purim, the energy of Purim is still in this world, in the uh, walled cities, Yerushalayim and others. And uh, we're continuing to draw from that energy in our practice of letting go of that dust. I want to share with you another, I love the Amuna stories, keep them coming. Please email, please share them, they inspire me, and I hope when I share them with you, they inspire you as well. Dear Rabbi Goldberg, I've been listening to your Pasha every week, hope it doesn't sound cliche, but blah, 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 blah. Instead of listening to music while I'm driving or cooking, I now listen to your Shirim. Good. I'm writing this email as I hold my one-year-old in the post-anesthesia care unit. Today started out like any other day. I was driving to my boy's school and looked for an Amunah to listen to, since I was up to date with the current ones, and I got to shear number 206, where you shared an email from someone about almost missing a flight. She shared the entire time that she was going through the airport. She didn't worry. She knew that if Hashem wanted her to get on the plane, she would get on the plane. The story continuously emphasized the idea that Hashem puts everyone exactly where they need to be at any given moment. This afternoon, as I was putting a batch of challah dough in the oven, my baby crawled upstairs. I knew some of my other kids were there, and I was straightening up the kitchen. Suddenly, my son came down, saying the baby was choking on a piece of Lego. I ran upstairs and saw my daughter throwing up and gasping for air. As I hit her on the back, I somehow had the presence of mind to remember exactly where my cell phone was and to call Atzala. Within two minutes, one member of Atzala was at my house as well as my neighbor. At that time, my baby had thrown up a lot and was breathing, although she was still not breathing easily and sounded very wheezy. My neighbor told me that I should stop hitting the baby's back. She was breathing. Atzala ambulance arrived to take us to the hospital. At the hospital, we went through the triage in the pediatric ER, had x-rays taken, but there was nothing remarkable about what the doctors saw. 
They asked me numerous times if the baby was congested before this choking incident, and I, consistent, I told them that she was not. With this in mind, they recommended that an ENT look at the x-rays to give another opinion regarding next steps. While we were not comfortable leaving with her, the idea of sending her to the operating room to stick a camera down her throat or to use different tools to remove a foreign object from her lungs was not exciting either. We were told the ENTs were all busy. It may take hours for them to be available. In the meantime, my daughter could breathe, but sounded very wheezy and hoarse. We had a very close friend who works in the hospital and was able to pull some strings to have an ENT come down to us within minutes. After consulting with the doctor or attending physician, it was decided the baby would need this procedure in the operating room. We brought it to the OR, said, OR, said goodbye, and started davening, along with the rest of the family's WhatsApp chats. After about half an hour, the surgeon came out and told us, Baruch Hashem, she was fine, and proceeded to show us what he found right beneath my baby's vocal cords. In the area before branching out to the lungs, a Lego hairbrush was stuck. They then had to intubate my daughter in order to remove the foreign object. Baruch Hashem, they found it. My husband and I were listening to all the unbelievable chasadim from Hashem in this whole episode. Too many to list in full, but I'll write a few. The fact that my neighbor came and told me to stop hitting the baby when she was breathing. The fact that the six-year-old told me she put Lego in her mouth, so I didn't feel comfortable that her wheezing sounds were congestion. The fact that though she was congested for months, since it's cold here in the winter, and for the past week she was 100% clear, I also knew not to go home and be okay with her sounding wheezy. The fact that our friend was able to call someone to get us to see the ENT quickly. The fact that this Lego piece was lodged in a way that still enabled my daughter to breathe while going through the ideal, this ordeal, and the list goes on and on. Throughout the entire process, I remained calm and level-headed. I knew it was exactly where I was supposed to be at every single moment in time. I told this to my daughter while holding her in the ER while we were waiting and said many times, and said many times, which had been on my phone lock screen. As you said many times, the messages are not new. It's important to always be working on our Amuna muscle. Without the constant reminder, I don't think I would have been as calm and collected as I was tonight. Now as I finish the email, we're back home, Baruch Hashem. As my husband and I wheeled my daughter out of the hospital, we quietly sang, Chaste Hashem Kilo Samnu. He truly performs a never-ending chasadim. He loves us as no one else does. Thank you for the shir and the Divrei Torah. Feel free to share the story, but leave out our names. Okay, so... It's another amazing story. Thank you for all the stories. But what I'll tell you what I think is remarkable about the story, about almost all the stories that are shared, is, again, the two perspectives or attitudes a person could bring. So many others could write that email and say, Hashem, where are you? Where were you? You let my daughter swallow a Lego piece. You sent us to the ER. We sat and she had to go into the OR. You scared us half to death. You put us through this ordeal. You made her suffer through this procedure. There is no God. Where are you? How could you? However, we have two choices in life. You could live life that Hashem is everywhere. You could live life that Hashem is nowhere. You could live life angry and bitter and look for when He's missing. Or you could live life and see when He's showing us His hand, when you could feel His presence. So it's remarkable and hats off to the author of the email who chose to live through that ordeal and list and enumerate and count out the many chasadim, to see the guiding hand of Hashem throughout the ordeal, and to sing, Chaste Hashem Kilo Samnu, and to realize, Madi, wherever we are, whatever we're sitting, whatever we're waiting for, Hashem, you're there, and you are with me. We have, those are the two choices that we have. Those are the two choices that we have. It won't make anything better to say, where are you and how could you? And it's understandable sometimes to feel that way, to be in that pain, and to protest and to object, it's understandable. I'm not sitting in judgment of anybody who reacts that way when they go through a horrible situation. It's understandable. But we could also look at even within the horrible situations and say, at least 
or thank you for, or I'm so grateful for that. And that's what this uh, person chose to do. And I'm grateful they took the time to write me. We're on page Ayin Vav, back in Tifa Emuna, Gamliel Rabinovich, great tzaddik in Yerushalayim. And he tells us the following. On the bottom of page Ayin Vav, There are many ways and many paths to the service of Hashem. There are those people who are drawn to and turn to their Shorosh HaNeshama, the core of who they are. The Neshama lights up from doing Chesed. There are others whose Neshama lights up and they study Torah. They open a Sefer, they listen to a Shir, they have a Chavrusa. And even within the study of Torah, there are those who like to go through the simple understanding of the text. Some prefer to go through the rigorous analysis. Some like learning Jewish law. Everyone has an atiyah. Everybody's neshama is different. We're all drawn to different things. Some like to be intellectually stimulated and provoked. Some like emotionally to be challenged. Some like to volunteer and do chesed. And some, their neshama lights up. They're on fire. The neshama is turned on from davening. So first of all, it's important. Where is your soul drawn? What do you indulge in? What do you invest in? What do you identify with? What kind of a Jew are you? Which Jew are you? What are you drawn to? I'll tell you, he doesn't quote this. We say, often after Advar Torah, before the Kaddish Rabbanan, the Almighty, it's a Mishnah. The Almighty wanted to give a great schus, a great privilege and pleasure to the Jewish people. Lefichach, here balahem, Torah mitzvos. It's a daddy song. Lefichach, here balahem, Torah mitzvos. So Hashem, because He wanted to give us a great gift, gave us a plethora, gave us an enormous list of Torah and mitzvos. So imagine, you know, you tell your child, I love you so much. I want to give you a great gift. I have a schus for you. The schus for you is, could you fold the laundry, clean your room, go shopping, cook dinner? It's a schus. I have a great schus for you. A laundry list of things that I'm asking you to do. That's a schus that Hashem is giving us? He gives us Torah and mitzvos. That's a great privilege. That's a great schus. So there's all kinds of answers to how you understand that question. Rashi, the Ramban, the Maharal, everybody weighs in. The Rambam, they all jump in with different answers. Some say, you know why it's a great schus? What would happen if we wouldn't be busy and occupied with Torah and mitzvahs? What would happen if you didn't have to dive in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, you're learning Torah, you got to do chesed, you got to prepare for Purim. I hate to tell you, but now we're, th- we're 30 days from Pesach. Can't say it out loud. I, ladies, I relate to you. Men, your husbands, they could care less. They do nothing. But me, Shabbos HaGadot Russia, I got to sell chametz, I got to burn the chametz. I relate to you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I also break out in hives. So we're busy. We're busy with Torah and mitzvot. There's a long list of things we have to do. You know, uh, in the inner city, I don't know if it's true today, but years ago, they had something called the Midnight Basketball League. Lest you think I'm disparaging the inner city, if you speak to many yeshiva boys' high schools, they follow the same policy. What was the philosophy of the Midnight Basketball League? They did the studies, the statistics. If you take people who, when they're not occupied, 
find themselves doing things they shouldn't be doing, and instead you give them something to do, then crime rates go down, drug use and sales go down, and they're busy, midnight basketball league. Many boys yeshiva schools, they have night seder, and they have their own basketball league, and they keep the boys late, and their parents who say, what are you doing to these kids? You know what time they come home? School ends this, then there's mishmar, then there's night seder, then there's basketball. So you know what the rabbis say? Yeah. We try to keep them as busy as possible. Because uh, an adolescent boy who's not busy can find trouble. Can find trouble. I'm not saying they're going to do crime or they're going to sell drugs, but if they have a device, or what else are they going to do? They sit playing video games? So the same philosophy. So one of the answers is, Hashem says, what are you going to do if I take away the Torah and mitzvahs? How are you going to fill your time? What are you going to be busy with? So he created a midnight basketball league, only it's not only midnight, it's all day and all night. And we're always thinking, right? We calibrate our compass, our life revolves around Torah and mitzvahs. What's the next? Shachras, Mincha, Marav? Did I daven Marav? Did I bench? Did I do chesed? What's the next? Yantif? What's the next? When a Shabbos, I got to cook. And that keeps us busy with holy and sacred and meaningful activity. And it enriches our life enormously. That's one answer. Another answer, another answer, you want to give us a great schus? This is the Maharal's answer. Maharal says, why is it a great schus? Why is it a great schus? Says something amazing. Says something amazing. We know we have a Mishnah that says, All the Jewish people have a portion in the world to come. So I ask you, a newborn baby, a baby emerges from the womb, and that baby has a portion of the world to come, what has that baby done? They've not made any choices, they've not expressed free will, they've not earned any merit. Why are they deserving of a portion of the world to come? Why? So the Maharal says, they have a soul, they have a Jewish soul, they have a Jewish soul that will be obligated in Torah and mitzvahs. He says, you know, if the king, the president, the head of the company, if someone in a position of power and influence taps you to do something for them, even before you've done it or failed at it, the very fact that you were asked to do it elevates you. The very fa- fact that you were the one, you were recruited, you were tasked, you were tapped with doing it, that very fact that you were asked to do it elevates you. So we say, Hashem, it's not easy, Torah mitzvos, and I may fail, I may come up short, I may not get it all done or get it all done perfectly. But the fact that you asked me, that you thought of me, that you charged me with doing this for you, for your world, oh, that in itself is a schus. That in itself is a merit. So l'fich ha'chir b'lam Torah mitzvos, he was ratz l'zakos. He wanted to give a great schus to the Jewish people, so he was here b'lam Torah mitzvos. The Rambam, I'll just give you one more explanation, and then we'll go back to the text. The Rambam gives another. The Rambam says, this is a morning caffeinate with Kavana. This is a morning caffeinate with Kavana. Without Kavana, just you need the caffeine. Better with Kavana. Everything from you, Hashem. Caffeinate with Kavana. Oh. Erev Purim and Motzei Purim. You appreciate coffee. Erev Purim and Tanis Esther when you can't have it. And Motzei Purim when you desperately need it. You can put it right into an IV drip the whole day. Baruch Hashem. you got to caffeinate with Kavanah. Be grateful. Ribbon Shalom. Psh, what a gift. What a gift. So the Ramam says another interpretation. Ratzakosh Baruch Hashem wanted to do a great schus. So here, by he gave us a lot of Torah mitzvahs. You know why? 
because he says every Jew, every Yid man and woman, young and old, every Jew connects to a mitzvah. Connects to a mitzvah. You know they have those people in your life, in your family, in the shul? That's the Purim Jew. The whole year is Purim. The whole year they wait for Purim, they live for Purim. They've, it's Shushan Purim. They've already planned next year's costume. Next year's menu. Next year's Mishloch Manos. They're all set. They're a Purim Jew. They love the Megillah. They love the Groggers and the Noid. They're the Purim Jew. You've got the Yom Kippur Jew. You've got the Shiluah HaKain Jew. You got the Jew who drives around looking for a nest with a mother bird, could send it away, take the egg. You got the Shatnish Jew. You've got every type of Jew. There's a Jew who connects to mitzvahs. This is the Jew who that's their mitzvah. They love that mitzvah. They know everything about that mitzvah. They studied up everything about that mitzvah. They love. Every Jew connects to a mitzvah Pesach, the Pesach Seder, Chanukah, Shabbos, Shalashudas, Hamotzi, benching. There's a Jew who connects. I'm putting out tefillin, lighting the candles. So, Hashem wanted to make a great schus for Kalal Yisrael. So you know what he did? He created an incredible, diverse array, an amazing menu of mitzvahs. Find your mitzvah. What's your mitzvah? Which mitzvah speaks to your shorosh and neshama? Which mitzvah speaks to the core and the roots of your soul? What lights you up? What gets you going? What do you connect with? What do you want to study? What do you want to understand? What do you want to perform? What moves you? Which mitzvah is it? You love doing chesed, you love davening, you love learning. What do you love learning? Which day of the year? Which day on our calendar? Which, you've got the Chevra Kaddish Jew, the Zion Adar Jew, the people who do taharas. You've got, there's every type of Jew, there's a mitzvah. So no one would be able to say, eh, I looked at the whole menu, there's nothing on it for me. Nothing speaks to me. Not interested. Nothing here to eat in this restaurant. Here, Balam Torah Mitzvah, 613, there's something for everyone. There's something for everyone. So that's what Rav Gamliel is saying. Some love learning. Within learning, they love different topics of learning or different styles of learning. Some love davening, some love chesed. Everybody has something that speaks to their soul. Ah, back in the text. A Jew, a Yid has to know that there is an inner point, an inner light, something so significant, something so meaningful, something so powerful, something so true, something so authentic and real, that we have to all work on. It's what the Ramchal introduces, he begins with, the foundation of righteousness and the core of serving Hashem, in good faith, person has to ask themselves, why am I here? What's my mission? What's my duty? What's my responsibility? What difference am I meant to make? Why am I here? What is life and what is this world all about? It's not about taking. It's not about receiving. It's not about rights and entitlements and honors. It's not, what do I get out of it? We are living in a generation. I say this all the time. You'll forgive me if you've heard it before. I've said it in so many venues and places. We're living in a generation and a time more prosperous than ever and more miserable than ever. We have more comfort, more convenience, more prosperity, more material things than ever before. And people are more unhappy than ever before. More miserable, more fabissana, more depressed, more anxious than ever before. Why? Because when you live life, what do I get? What do I get? 
Oh, I joined. I'm a member of Costco or Restaurant Depot. I'll join Boca Raton Synagogue. I'll be a member of the global community. What do I get? What do I get out of it? What are my rights? I get like a tote bag with PBS in the mail for joining, for giving. <laughs> Jame in the AM sweatshirt. What do I get? What do I get from global? I at least get some disposable caffeinate with Kavana cups. Maybe. What do I get? We live in a world where everyone wants to know. What do I get out of it? What do I get out of it? I've had young boys tell me, putting on tefillin doesn't do anything for it. I don't get anything out of it. So I leave my tefillin at school. I don't even bring it home Sunday. I don't put them on because I don't get anything out of it. Everything in life is measured by what makes me happy, what gives me pleasure, what are my rights and entitlements, what do I get out of it? But the Ramchal says, if you live a life like that, you could have the nicest car and the biggest house and go on the most exotic vacations and indulge in the greatest delicacies. And you know what? You're going to be miserable. You're going to feel empty. Because when life is all about what you can get, what you can take, what are your rights and entitlements, you feel hollow inside. But if you live a life of the Ramchal, if you live this life of not what can I take, what can I give, not what do I get, but how can I contribute, not what are my rights and entitlements, but what are my duties and obligations. I woke up this morning, I'm alive. And I, my faculties work. Not as well as they usually do, but they're working. <laughs> At least they're working. I woke up this morning and I'm alive. I'm alive. I have a, my heart is beating in my chest. I'm alive talents and blessings and skills and opportunities, what will I do with them? What difference will I make with them? How can we contribute to this world? What can we give to? What difference can we make? What role can I play in my family, in my community, in my global community? What can I contribute? What difference can I make? How can I make a positive result? Now, I'm not going to go into this because I have so many other times, so many other places, but the Ramchal does not say, Ma'chov olam. He does not say, what is your duty or responsibility in the world? But what is your duty and responsibility in? Be'olamo. What does olamo mean? His world, her world, in your world. Each of us have our own world. Some of us have physical, mental, emotional challenges, struggles. We have our own genetics. We have our own baggage. We have our own background. We each have our own assets, liabilities, gifts, and weaknesses. We're all our own world so we shouldn't measure ourselves against someone else. Don't compete, don't compare, don't keep up. Figure out who you are, what you're meant to do, what difference you're meant to make, what life you're meant to live in your world, not someone else's world. What are you going through right now? What's happening? How do you feel? What opportunities do you have? Now what do you take with it and what do you do with it? Davening or learning or doing chesed, just doing it with a check next to the box. You are a checklist Jew, what I call a checklist Jew, who's always got that checklist in their mind. Did I have Marv yet? Last night I was asking, did I have Marv? Did I bench? Please tell me. I did. Did I? Baruch Hashem. Did I? But you know, even, not Purim. Check, 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 check. Did I do a check? Did I do a check? Did, I, did a little chesed today? Check. Gave to the global campaign? Check. Learned a little Torah? Check. Davened already, check, said some tehillim, check, you like that subtlety, how I get that in? Check, check, check. But all of those check marks are not going to transform you as a person. Those check marks, they don't go on your tombstone. You know the dash, you all know the poem, the dash? If you don't Google the poem, the dash, it's such a great poem. What matters in your life is the dash between the years. You know the poem? You have the year you were born, the year you died. What matters is the dash. How did you live those years? What difference did you make? 
I have a very peculiar hobby. One of my peculiar hobbies. As a rabbi, as a rav, I hang out in the cemetery a fair amount. Funerals and hakamas matzeva and the like. So you like to look around at matzevas, tombstones. Fascinating. What people put on tombstones. It's fascinating. What people put. I don't mean just you put the year you're born, the year you die. Most have the minhag to only put the father's name. We daven for a person while they're alive, ben or bas their mother's name. After they're gone, we put their, their father's name. The identity uh, in perpetuity then changes, shifts to the father. But it's unusual, it's peculiar. Someone emailed me recently for a particular reason and uh, pointed out Rav Moshe Feinstein, whose yurtzai was last week, on his matzeva, it has his mother's name also. But his father's name and his mother's name. Certainly we have a masora for that too. Nothing wrong with that to be identified, connected with the father and the mother. All kinds of things go on a tombstone. Maybe if it's a Kohen, you put the Kohen fingers. Maybe if it's, put a menorah. People put all kinds of symbols. But I've also seen on tombstones, I've seen a deck of cards, where it talks about a person loved poker, they love Mahjan, they love Mahjan. I've seen, I've seen on, uh, you can't imagine what I've seen on, on tombstones. The image that the family chose to put on the tombstone you can't imagine picture of the dog. They love their dog, the pet. I've seen all kinds of things on tombstones. So the question is, the literal or figurative, the metaphorical matseva of our lives, what will it say? What will define the dash between our years? Mahjong? They were the best Mahjong player in the community. They walked away every time we played. They were the winner. They walked away with the pot. That's what it's going to say? Nothing wrong with Mahjan. I'm not ranking it. I'm not knocking Mahjan. Nothing wrong with Mahjan. Uh, enjoy shuffleboard, golf, tennis. Recreation, it's great. Spend time with family, with friends. Give 10% of your Mahjan winnings. The pot goes to Tom Cheshabbos or the global campaign. Nothing wrong with Mahjan. I'm saying, is that what's going to go on your tombstone? Is that? Reverse engineer your life. My friend, Rabbi Dani Khan has a book about this. He wrote, reverse engineer your life. What do you want them saying at your funeral? Your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-great-grandchildren. What do you want them, what do you want to say in your tombstone? Yesterday I visited Mr. Senders, Olzayn Gesund Stark. Wish him a happy Purim. Kanaina Hara's sister was over, she's 100. He's turning 99 and he's a younger brother who's 96. And I say, whatever the Senders had growing up, I want some of that. Unbelievable. So his sister was asking me about my family. I hadn't seen her in a long time. I said, would you believe I have three grandchildren? And Mr. Sender says, I have 56 great-grandchildren. <laughs> so, okay, you win. You win. Kenai Nahara. Ken Yirbu. We should all be Zoha. So at our Levaya, after 120, what do you want him to talk about? Mahjong? That's what you want him to talk about? What a Mahjong player you were? What, what do you, reverse engineer your life. Write your own Hespid. And now live a life that it's worthy to receive that hesped. Write the eulogy you would want said about you. And now live a life that earns that eulogy being said about you. You know, Shlomo Marto told us, Tov, it's better to go to a base avel than a, than a base mishta. Better to go to a funeral than a wedding. Because a wedding is Perspective. You know, it's all kinds of brachas and promises and divrei Torah and hopes and aspirations for how this couple will live. At a funeral, you reflect back and you look at how the person did live. And you walk away from a funeral, I know I do, and I want to be a good funeral, proper funeral, meaningful funeral of a, of a 
of a good person. I said, I want to be that kind of parent. Wow, they talked about what kind of parent they were, how present they were, what a role model they were. Wow. I want to be that kind of child. Depending on the funeral, I either call my kids or I call my parents on the way home from the funeral. I call Yecha, I want to be a better husband. You walk away, you, I want to be better. I want that said about me. They won't say any of these things about me. They never raised their voice. They never got angry. They were always around. They always showed up. They always... No one's saying any of these things about me. But it's not too late. It's not too late to live the life you were meant to live. It's not too live. It's not too late to earn the eulogy that you want to be said about you. That's how we're meant to live. So Gamaliel says, you can't, nobody will get up. They were a checklist Jew. My mother, my father... They put a check next to everything that was asked of them. Davening, Dafyomi, Tztaka, Chesed, Chevra. Check, 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 check. So that they could play tennis, golf, mahjong, go to the mall, go to the... Nobody... I don't want that, Hesped. They put a check mark next to every box in Yiddishkeit. I don't want that, Hesped, about me. I don't think you want it about you. They were a giver, they were a doer, they were an influencer in the best sense of that word. They transformed the world... That's what, not what did they take, what did they get, what did they receive, what they have, what they give, what they do, how did they transform. Sorry, I skipped a sentence. All of that, all of this world, all of this life is a platform to cling and to connect and to glue and to attach ourselves to Him. That the Ribbon Shalom, the Almighty, informs and animates and inspires everything we do. He's part of every conversation. He's part of every choice. He's part of every activity. He's part of all that we do and all the way we live. He's part of it all. It's Tveikas. I'm clinging. I'm connecting to Him. To Him. It's just as chesed I did. I walked away from that chesed. I imitated Hashem, who is the ultimate of chesed. God is the ultimate of benevolence. So when I was mag. When I was kind and giving and altruistic myself, I was imitating him. I connected to him through the chesed of taking care of his other children. When I learned Torah, I mentioned in the Parsha class on Monday, and I reserve the right to develop this sometime much more, but I, I heard it in a podcast and I loved it. You could read or learn for information, or you could read or learn for transformation. We often read or we learn for information. And sadly, too many of our schools, yeshivas, their curriculum is designed around reading for information. But a yid in Yiddishkeit, we read and we learn for transformation. So you should walk away from every shir or every engagement with a text. Every time you opened a sefer and you learned, you don't just say, well, what information did I get? What did I memorize? What do I know? But you walk away not with information, but with transformation. Wow. I just accessed Hashem's will, His diary. His diary, his blueprint for creation, his recipe, his formula. Wow, I'm transformed by it. I have a whole new way of seeing the world. Transformed by it. Every time I daven, it's not just check. Now I rate the chazan, now I rate the drasha. The rabbi spoke for way too long. It was too hot, it was too cold. But check, I davened. Transformed by that davening. Wow, what a davening. I had an audience with the Almighty. I connected, I attached myself to him. I protested, I objected, I told him what I'm not happy. I thanked him, I expressed gratitude for everything that worked out amazing. I davened, I connected, I attached, it was a dvekas. Each of these activities are not just to put a check mark, they are all a platform and an opportunity for dvekas. For dvekas. 
you take your child, you say, come, I got to go to the supermarket. You want to come? Come, let's spend time. So you could put a check mark next to, we picked up all the things from the supermarket. Or you could say, because I did that with my child and we spent time, I transformed it to a meaningful activity. We had fun, we looked around, we laughed, we compared prices, we compared salad dressings, we decided what to get. So it went from a mundane activity to, there was a store when I was growing up called Two Guys. Anyone ever hear the store Two yeah. Guys? When I was, my father worked long hours when I was a kid. Hashem had this chos to spend time with him. Now they live locally. I don't take it for granted. Thank you, Hashem. But when I was a kid, we didn't see him much. He worked hard. He worked long hours. I have vivid memories as a small child of getting in his car to go to Two Guys. I don't remember what they sold to Two Guys or why we went there. It was like a Target? All right, Two Guys. Anyway, but I remember. I remember when he would say, come, we're going to Two Guys. We got to get some stuff. That, that, that time went from a mundane the most mundane activity there could be of a shopping list of things to come, let's go. Come, we got to get gas. Come, we're going to the supermarket. Or come, we're going to visit someone. Come, we're going to the hospital. We're going to visit somebody. Come, let's change it from one activity to another. So we have that chance with Hashem. Hashem, come. Let's go, we're going to the supermarket. Hashem, come. I'm going to visit someone. Hashem, come. I'm going to talk to you. You should come. <laughs> I'm going to talk to you. Davening, learning, chesed, should be for transformation. For Dveka, Sharoma, Argishnas, Goshbarcha, Bachal Psiya. We see Hashem every step. Bachal Nakuda, Bachal Inyan. Every step, every point, every moment. Kemoshama, Adonene, Dovan Amelch, Yisrael, Batilim. Ana Eilech, Menuchacham, Vanami, Panech Evrach. Dovan Amelch says this in Tilim. Achor Vekedem Tartani, Perish Rashi, Panai Vacharai, Haino Apanim Vachor. Azenim Avatashas, like Kapecha. Goshbarcha, Machnas, as Yadu, Bachal Alfanim. Hashem puts his hand, he inserts himself in everything. You just have to look for him, to listen to him. If your antenna is extended, if you are attuned, you'll hear him. Sometimes it's directly, it's pnim. We learned this for many months, if you recall. We saw Ravichemeyer, Panim and Achor. We talked about Ratzah, Vashov, the different modes or moments in Yiddishkeit. Sometimes we're high, sometimes we're low. Sometimes it's all flowing. Sometimes you feel stuck. Sometimes we feel face-to-face. Sometimes we're just seeing his back. In every matzav, in every moment, he sticks out his hand. When he's revealed and when he's hidden, he's always there. He's always there. It's our mission, it's our mandate to go find him, to attach ourselves to him, to live a life in pursuit, in connection, in attachment with him, with Tvekas. So that's our avoda. That's our avoda. Don't just live a checklist, Yiddishkeit. Don't just put a check mark. Sitting in the eye, sitting in the emergency room outside the OR with a child with a Lego piece stuck in her throat. That's where the Rebona Shalom is. He's in that moment. You could be there yelling at him, how dare you, how could you, where are you, to thank you. Thank you for the 10 things that worked out right. It doesn't always work out right. It's even harder to see him or thank him. But in those moments, even if they're difficult, you have a person who stubs their toe. I see this all the time. Someone stubs their toe and I, there is no God. I don't believe in God. I, why would God have that happen? And you have the person who has 17 kinds of diagnosis, takes 40 pills a day, has to go through 30 treatments. Say, Hashem, thank you so much. Thank you that there are therapies and treatments. Thank you for the good moments. Thank you for the access to the doctors. I don't understand why and I'm miserable with it and I wish you didn't give it and I beg you to take it away. But I see you and I feel you and I'm grateful even for the small things in it. 
This shir is sponsored each week in memory of Brian, Brian Galbert. Last week, a new Baruch Tzvi, a third Baruch Tzvi came into the world. So Brian is very much still alive. But at the end of his life, he was dying. And he would talk about, isn't Hashem amazing? Till he couldn't talk anymore. But then he would say, Hashem is amazing. Look at this, my whole family's around me. Isn't Hashem amazing? If I didn't see it with my own eyes, I wouldn't believe it. And if I didn't experience it as real as it was, I would say, ah, he just wanted to make sure that an art scroll book would be written about him. <laughs> but it was real. Real. Isn't Hashem amazing? So we can be like the author of that email, even in a hard circumstance, walk away, grateful, having gone through an ordeal, but saying, look at how Hashem has found so many ways in it. Or you could stub your toe, people get a paper cut, people have a uh, canker sore on the tongue, they give up on God. No faith. How could he? Where is he? It's up to us which way we're going to live our lives. Let's choose right. Because if we do, we could live not only in the most prosperous time, but the happiest time. The time filled with the greatest faith and meaning and purpose in this world. Wishing everyone a Freilich and Shushan Purim. Stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.